think it's important during this lockdown that we we have these sorts of conversations that we all can you know reflect on happier times um, and not just sit in the garden and try and do our work in the toughest of circumstances. But do you know what? We're all healthy. We've not got a virus. We're not on respirators. We're um, we're working from home. There are far worse things that could have happened to any of us. But first of all, Dunny, welcome to the pod, whatever we call this. Great to Give be us here. an update. And for the benefit of everyone who's going to be watching this video when we punt it out, what are you up to these days? Well, I'm actually the um, the first team coach at Blackpool as we speak, which again, you just mentioned about being in difficult circumstances. You know, obviously the football world at the minute, I know it's getting back in the top leagues, but, um, you know, really difficult circumstances for the lower league teams. Um, so hopefully... Uh, the teams can get through this with the support of of all the other organisations, hopefully get us through it. And um, we can start very soon. It's very difficult. A lot of people uh, mention football, but let's be honest, you, you know, you mentioned it as well. That the main thing is everyone is safe. And of course, everyone is suffering at some point at the minute. But as long as we can all get through it with as little um, damage as possible, then... That's, I think that's got to be everyone's uh, main focus, you know. Yeah, what was the situation with um, the perspective from Blackpool Football Club about restarting League One? Do they think the season could conclude in any way that would be safe? Well, it's probably not for me to say, Michael, you know, but, you know, I only hear little snippets, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'll, there'll, be, there'll be certain clubs that want to carry on and there'll be others that are happy for it to just go to the points per game or, you know, as in most businesses and, and, and walks of life, everyone has their um, agendas and each person and each organisation will will carry out what best suits them. Um, that's the world we, we kind of live in. So um, we've just got to let the organisations give us the, the lead, really. Some will... Um, prosper from it and others won't but you've just got to be um be right by what they decide and, and go with it you know in my opinion so have blackpool been training no we we are uh, we're on lockdown we um the lads have had their own programs but obviously the the difficulty that we've probably found is you know we don't we don't actually have a start date so it's very yeah. difficult to keep giving the lads programs and fitness programs to to adhere to when we don't really know when we're going back. So they've been on a two or three week break uh, until we decide, until the league decides, the AFL when yeah. we can go back. But who knows? Yeah. And what's your day look like? My day at the minute, boy. It's you know what? If there's one thing I've took from this is the amount of respect I have for teachers now. Because okay. you've been homeschooling. Homeschooling with three kids at home is an absolute blooming nightmare. Um, all different age groups, all different work. Uh, it's, it's difficult to say the least. Have you been getting on with that, Will? Um, on the basis that James told me that, don't worry, Dad, I'm doing really well. Then we got a call from his school to say that he's, he's got 14 pieces of work that he's not submitted. Right. Uh, not great, really. I've left that to Nas, but she's had enough. And we're fortunate that next week we've got one child who's in year one and one who's in, in year six. So despite them arguing, they're both getting sent back Monday. 
I'm on the opposite, so none of mine are. So <laughs> I've got them uh, for the other the next five weeks. Is it until? Would you send them back if they were? Um, good question. I don't actually think I would actually persevere and not because I just think what's the point for five six weeks and put them at put them at risk if there is a risk, which there obviously is a certain risk, and you know it's not just the children. You know, once the the lockdowns eased a little bit you have grandparents and people that come round that you know it's not so much the kids are at risk it's it's sometimes other people and not even your own family you know just around our village and if they're on the bikes and yeah have you seen your granddad you know I, I i get to see him i try and get over as much as i can uh two or three times a week but again i, I kind of miss cuddling my family you know yeah sounds sounds right you know and you know, it's very unnatural for us not yeah. to have that contact with uh, with with our loved ones. Uh, you know, for for me and my granddad, it's been very much part of my life for all my life. You know, to to have him at a distance and not be able to get any closer. You know, he's eighty. He's he's eighty three now. He's, he told he's, me you were a top player, didn't he? Yeah. Do you think yeah, he would tell everyone that though? <laughs> I have to tell him otherwise. So yeah, it's difficult, but you know we're 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 good, and and, and you know, hopefully we can get through it, and it not be too long before we get back to some normality. Now, one of the things that kept a lot of us going is the fact that you know we've all got tellies, we've all got Netflix, we've all got you know memories as well. So there's been lots of replaying of the end of seasons. You know, there's a couple in particular, two thousand, two thousand and two. I've looked back very fondly. Yeah. Um, the time when um, when you got man of the match against Arsenal towards the end of the season, having, yeah. having scored and we beat them 2-1 at Ewood. You know, I think we've all got that to sustain us. Of course, the Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix, which has given us all a good laugh at that soap opera. That, that was the one I wanted to ask you about when you were talking earlier, Dunny, about, um, we'll come on to the football um, memories, hopefully, as well. But is that an accurate representation of life behind the scenes at a football club? What what people, what fans like us will see on something like that Netflix documentary? Do you know what they probably listen? It's probably just a small little chunk of it. I've not actually watched too much of that. I've watched a little bit, obviously, because I'm friends with Simon. I, I watched a tiny little bit, and I, I kind of, I kind of turned it off. And I, and I will get round to watching it properly. You know, it's it's obviously being edited in a way that that for TV and, and dramatise everything. I don't know. I don't know. I think they've. I think the time they filmed at Sunderland probably wasn't a, a great time in in the club's history. You know, it was very much off the off the pitch was a little bit in turmoil, I believe. So, I don't know. I don't know. And in the, I, I wouldn't like to say because I don't really know them, but it didn't. It certainly didn't look great, did it? I mean, Sunderland as a Premier League team that we all think and a big yeah. big club in the northeast. Now they're in they're in League One, you know. So you know, when when that happened, it was I think it was in the Championship, were they? It's sure them getting relegated, yeah. So you know, it's never it's never great when teams are getting relegated. That's for sure. And when when it's getting filmed, it, it, it highlights all the all the negative bits in a club, and probably yeah. didn't show a lot of the good positive bits in there as well. Because do you reckon they thought they were going to go up that season, and that's why they filmed it? I would say. I mean, if I knew I was going to get relegated, I wouldn't allow any film cameras in 
any club that I was involved in. Yeah. I was, you know, they're a big club, Sunderland, and they probably they probably thought they were going to have a more successful season than they did. But yeah. hey, you know, that's happened to many teams. You know, I mean, yeah. I've been I've been involved at Blackburn and, and and suffered relegations, and you know, it's it's not it's not good. It's 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 a difficult difficult time in the in the club's history, but. Um, you just got to try and bounce back as quick as you can, you know, like like Blackburn did, to be fair. Yeah. They, Tony Mowbray came in and probably had too much to do in the season that he that he came in. You know, I think we, you know, when I, I was first team coach with Tony for the for them few months and I think we had our return on, on, on games, points per game ratio was, was excellent. I think we probably have um, been in the playoff spots if it had been anything to go on then. 15 games, I think. Uh, but just unfortunately, I had far too much to do in terms of catching the others up. So. Yeah. So looking forward, Donny, tell us about. Um, you know, let's assume this lockdown ends. That you know, in, we get into some kind of new normal with um, with football. Blackpool's had a clean sweep, new owners, bit of optimism back in the club. You, you made a decent start in your period when you were caretaker, when you took over from Simon. Um, it seems to be getting on an even keel. So let me ask you this. In your role as a coach and as part of the leadership team at Blackpool, which managers would you take different things from that you played under at Rovers? Yeah, good question. I mean, I was really fortunate enough to play for, you know, I didn't have, you know, probably in the latter part of my career, I had a couple that well, I'm not sure about. However, majority of the managers that I had was, uh, were very good. And have been quite successful or very successful, you know. So, you know, Roy Hodgson, for instance, England manager, you know, Brian Kidd, top coach, um, although it didn't quite work out for him at, um, at Blackburn. And then you can go to, you know, Graham Souness, Mark Hughes, Sam Allardyce, you know, all, all you know, Sparky was a, an international manager. Big Sam, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to, um, to really kick on an international manager because of, a, a silly incident that I thought was really unfair for him, you know, because I actually think Sam would have done really well. And I'd probably you try and take a little bit of everything, but but the, the difficult thing I, th- I suppose yeah, football is always changing and evolving. So yeah. what 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 happened 15 years ago probably wouldn't really work now because of the um, the different mentalities of a lot of players. You know, I think it's more than ever become managing the individuals yeah. um, it's always been about that but I feel now it's it's more than ever it's, it's about you, mean, you mean like these days you wouldn't get away with going through the back of Dwight York during five sides in training well possibly yeah I mean I'm not sure that would go down <laughs> too well but um, yeah I, I, you know you've got to you've got to treat each individual on, on merit you know And but but you know what the, 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 the young kids now and the players now are, are really clever you know they're very clever. They're very football wide. Football, the football intelligence is very good. So you've got to get everything spot on. Otherwise, they, you know, they soon get on. They soon get onto the bluffers. You know, you know, yeah. you've got to, you've got to go in and you know know your stuff and make sure you're right and carry it out with with conviction. I think. And if you do that, it's fine. You know, I always feel in football, there's no there's no right way. You know, because everyone has different ways of doing things. Yeah. But as long as you can back what you you're saying up and carry it out and go with it, then I think everyone gives you a gives you a good chance. You know, who do you, who did you enjoy playing for the most? 
I had a really good spell with Graham at the start. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. was a great side, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed my football under, under Graham Souness. You know, I, when Mark Hughes brought me back and to the club, I really enjoyed it. It was, um, it was a really exciting time for us. But I'd probably say when Sam took over, I, okay. uh, I really enjoyed the football under Sam. I just really enjoyed playing in his teams. And I know a lot of people would say, you know, Sam Longball, this and that. But he never ever, you know, he just wanted us to p- play a certain way until it opened up. And then, you know, I, he was always very, you know, he wanted you to play in the final third and make things happen. So I, I kind of enjoyed. Did you score a few under Big Sam? Yeah, I think, I think one year, I, I think I didn't play too many games. I think I only had about 20 or 22 appearances, 20, 21, 22 appearances. I think I scored 10 Premier League goals that year. Well, that was the one I was mentioning earlier when you uh, scored against the, Arsenal. That was the I think that the was little tap, it? The little the little tapping at the far <laughs> post and the little yeah. pull more. Because Sam <laughs> used to have Sam used to have this thing that he used to say to me all this. He used to say position and most opportunities, which is pull more, right? And right. I still use it now all the time with the with yeah. the lads. And he always used to say, just arrive there. Don't get get interested in any work. Just arrive there, and the ball will find you there. So then, obviously, when I you know, I scored a couple that year in them um, them positions. So, I think on the celebration you could hear us saying "Paul Moore." Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was the tenth. So yeah, it was a good. Just unfortunate, I only could, could get twenty odd games in with injuries and whatnot, which was always the issue. Yeah, and what sort of relationship do you have remotely with these uh, with the with the team at Blackpool, given your role as coach? Um, Are you well, in touch? Well. I'm obviously on furlough, so I can't really do too much. Um, so it's 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 quite difficult, difficult. But you know, I you, you know, I have you know, I speak to people in football, my friends and stuff. You know, so it, it is what it is. A lot of Zoom calls with with different people, which it, which helps keep you a little bit sane, I suppose, and have a little bit of um, interaction with people other than other than your your family, right? But yeah, we keep ourselves busy, you know. I'm um, involved in a few things which which keep me occupied. And quiz nights, family quiz nights is my uh, my Saturday night bit of fun. I think. Yeah. And what's your specialist chosen subject? Do you know what? I'm actually doing one next um, next week, and I got asked. I don't actually have a. I wouldn't say, but I've picked Elvis in the movies. Believe it or not. <laughs> which um, might surprise a few people, but yeah. I'd say I'm, I would be strong enough on that to, to at least get a few. Well, a mate of mine, a mutual friend of Will's as well, Stephen Lindsay, does a, a really good quiz night. It's about 20 teams from all over the country every Saturday night through lockdown. And he gets different guests to set the questions. Has, what, has Gary what, Barlow been um, on there? Is it the one not that, on that Barlow's been playing? One, and, week, yeah. one week we had Dave Aslam, the DJ, doing a Manchester music round. Yeah. Jonathan Schofield, the tour guide, doing a Manchester history round. Right. Colin Hendry, supposedly doing a sports round. Right. Five of the questions were about Colin Hendry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't surprise me with Braveheart. <laughs> that's, that's great. No. Look, luckily, that gave me a bit of an advantage, but, but, you know, being a Rovers fan. Yeah. You know, I didn't well. know how many caps he got for Scotland. How many did he get? 60? 67. No, it's about 50. Oh, well, not far off. Oh, well, 
wouldn't you know it, once again, bumped into Tony Mowbray here at, here at Brockhall. Tony, how'd you take your brew, mate? Very basic, really. Uh, tea, quite strong. Uh, two sugars. And, uh, and I always drink out of my favourite mug. Oh, which uh, which one is it? Oh yeah, it's good. And I got it from the Middlesbrough store. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, from yeah. Oh no, 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 Tony, not the middle, the, the Rovers one. Oh, this one, right? Yeah, you can get them personalised at um, at the Terrace store, and of course, and as uh, manager of Rovers, I've got you can get them personalised with all the different players of your choice. Oh, which you know, which which, which players would you have then? Well, you, you obviously you've got your your Lenahans, your Ducks. Um, Danny Graham's, you know, proper, proper professional footballers. But obviously I've chosen my favourite, Elliot Bennett. Oh, of, of, of course. Well, Joe Rothwell's one of my favourite players. Are, are you, any plans to get a mug for him? He'll just have to wait his turn, I think. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to get one of these, get your hands on one. You just have to go to the uh, go to the Terrace store and enter BRFCS at checkout. Oh, well, that's, that's brilliant then. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, it's fine. But remember... Only Tony drinks out of the Elliot Bennett mug. You'll have to get yourselves one with, I don't know, Ben Brereton on it. Oh, well, okay then. Well, there's going to be opportunities, aren't there? I mean, there's a lot of people who've been working from home who um, aren't going out and spending. We've not filled the car up for three months. That's the, the petrol I've saved, you know, the fuel yeah. in the cars have been such a saving. You just don't realise how much you spend on fuel every month, yeah. you know. No one's going on holiday. You know, there's all sorts of expenses that we're not making. So yeah. the, the economy's hopefully going to get some kind of lift when we come out of some kind of lockdown without any health problems. That um... I am opening the door still to Amazon every two minutes, though. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, likewise. <laughs> to be fair, I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> what have you been buying? I'd say well, what yeah, that's my, my question. What have you, you been buying, Donnie? I tell you what I did, right? I got and and people could laugh at me here, and uh, and say, "Oh, you can't do that." But I bought an electric road bike. <laughs> I actually bought an electric road bike, and people would say, "Ah, oh, an electric? You're cheating!" Honestly, it's the best thing I've bought. Do you go out on your own on it? I go out on my own. I um, I'll go out obviously around the Ribble Valley. It's so nice to go. And, but you, you see things that you never see. And, you know, them big hills that you think are oh, just not enjoyable that suddenly become a little bit... Listen, you've still got a pedal. You've still got to work it, off. You have to put a shift in, do you? You still have to work, but it just takes that edge off it. And it's made my cycling so much more fun, I've got to say. More rewarding now, that's for sure. I've, I've got one for you, Dunny. Um, we tell Michael that story about when you got to introduce... Daniel Beddingfield on stage. <laughs> oh, Daniel Beddingfield. Johnny, that tell was... us about the time you introduced Daniel Beddingfield on stage. That was the. Uh, that was actually at Ewood. Right. That was actually at Ewood Park. Will likes this one. Yeah. So I got asked to in the party in the park at Ewood to introduce one of the artists. So obviously went went down to Ewood with a few of my mates. Had a few drinks. It was off season, so I was in the lounges and bouncing around with all the so-called stars and whatnot and um yeah and then obviously i got called on to on the, to the stage I had to have a little um a little interview with uh, rick vaughan who was a rock fm dj at the time um, <laughs> and then i had to do a i know his brother story. ray yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh brian potter yeah 
Is that right? Phoenix Knights, isn't it, Rayvon? Yeah, 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 spot on. Um, there's a, so I had to introduce Daniel Beddingfield. So on my way, so I introduced him, everyone. I hope you all like uh, Party in the Park. Next, uh, next on stage is Daniel Beddingfield. So obviously a big cheer, and I thought, ah, oh, this will be quite good when I'm going off just to give him a little high five. Like, so when I put my hand up to high five, him, he just blank, <laughs> just blank me and walk past me. Needless to say, I never bought another song of his again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Hey, I got through it though. Quality. <laughs> that was hey, listen, I, I've I've got a worse story. We we had one of those um, insider awards, like the one you came to see us at Ewood a few years ago. But we did one in Liverpool, and the guest comedian after dinner was uh, Jason Manford. It was yeah. before he was really famous. Yeah. And um, I chatted to him before, and he said, oh, you know, he seems nice. And I had to do the intro. So I get up on stage and uh, I give him the big build up. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, St. George's or Liverpool, please put your hands together for Jason Manford. And he was on the toilet. So I had to fill for five minutes <laughs> to an audience of scousers. Oh, that must be tough. If, I tell you what, I wish the ground had swallowed me up. But, you know, you get through it and he, he comes on the stage. He does really well, brings a guitar with him. And he couldn't have been nicer afterwards. He says, mate, I'm so sorry. I, I did he, did he tell the crowd where he'd been? Oh, uh, no, he didn't, no. Oh, right. I thought, <laughs> well, I thought he'd done a runner. I've got, an, I've got a story. So we was on our way to, um, to Lapland with the kids a couple of years ago. So anyway, he's, he's on our plane. Who, Daniel so, Beddingfield or? No, Jason Mumford. Right. So halfway there, he says to the woman, do you mind if I sing a few songs? So he gets on the uh, Ur, Ur Stewart's, um microphone and started singing all the kid Christmas songs. But I had that front row seats, extra leg room, and he was there. <laughs> He's quite a nice bloke, to be fair. Yeah, he seemed a nice bloke. Seemed a yeah, nice. well, I didn't make that mistake the next year when I think we had Frankie Boyle. <clears throat> I wasn't going to fill five minutes before Frankie Boyle. I made sure he was exactly where he said he'd be at the side of the stage. Great. And anyway, Will, anything else we want to talk about? I've got a question for both of you. Go on. What's the when when lockdown is formally lifted totally what's the first thing you're both going to do well it's going to be eased isn't it so um i mean i'm probably like Dunny. i want to i want to go and visit my parents in lancaster i've not yeah. I'm not seen him i've not seen him for 10 give weeks me, or whatever give me family a cuddle yeah give me family members a cuddle well whilst 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 having a sip of um, beer <laughs> in a bar <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, listen, I really appreciate you both coming on. It's been special, that one. Thank you very much.